So we had some stories. We did, we did. Three stories were ones. told. Uh, since the last time we spoke to you, Ben, you have completed and uh, released a trilogy of novels. Absolutely smashed them out. How does that feel? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it felt like when, when the final one, when I got a copy of that in my hands, um, when was that out? April 5th. Um, it felt massive because the whole thing, the, the, the release schedule for it was one novel it's released every five months. But yeah, the first one was, the first one's not yet a year old, June, June the 5th, November the 5th, April the 5th. So yeah, to, to have the whole thing completed as part of um, 300,000 words across that trilogy just felt amazing. It was a hectic year it felt like the only thing that i was doing i've had such such fun with it it felt like i kind of really had gone back in time to capture those places so so yeah but to actually get all three of them together to see them together on my bookshelf looks absolutely fabulous it's a spicy amount of words my friend it is to be polished and finished mm. and produced into three three books in that time is is, is such a feat well done um how did you maintain your motivation for that? I think part of having the, the time scale, um, only having pretty much a year to do the whole thing, uh, did mean that a lot of the time it was kind of like I had to do it. But, but the whole yeah. time I did feel very kind of passionate about where it was going. Um, right from the start, when I, when I was plotting this out, the very first idea was that it would just be the one book, but then I very quickly realised um, that wasn't possible. It was too big a story, um, and and each each book is significantly different enough that it's kind of doing its own thing. So so within each individual story, it was very much kind of a exploring these ideas at different times in Guy Fawkes' life, such as when he's he's a child. Like the first book is very much a like a coming of age story. It's, um until he's around the age of 16 it starts with his birth so, so there's a lot of kind of discovery there of kind of the world of demon hunters but also about himself the second novel then has him kind of moving further away from from home it starts in york where guy fawkes was born and most of the first novel is there so so with the second novel it felt we could spread to different places almost from the second chapter is he's heading off to durham um, and, and it felt, feels like it's getting bigger. And, and I think with the second book, that's where there is the least history of Guy Fawkes. So what kind of kept me going on that one was all of the possibilities that were there. Um, there are no clear... There's sometimes there where it's not exactly clear where he was other than he went south, he went to London. It's possible he married. So all of these things... I was able to kind of build into the story. And then for the third, um, it's kind of very end-oriented because you're very much thinking about then the gunpowder plot, but that, that happens yeah. in the second half of that book. So there was always these kind of great pieces that I was writing towards. Yeah, so I, I, I loved every moment of writing it. So I've got to ask you just off, immediately off the back of that last bit, are we, are we, does Catesby get a big, a big role? Yes, he does. Yeah, um, 
he he appears first of all in in the second book because it seems they worked together a place called Cowdray House um somewhere quite close to Portsmouth it seems that they met there first of all and then when Guy Fawkes uh, he travelled he went to Europe for Spanish um when he returned I think he was still in contact with Catesby and kind of brought back in brought into the conspiracy then so he does play quite a major role in the bits and pieces in the second book and very much so in the second half of the third book i think this is fascinating so it sounds like your depth of knowledge on this is, is obviously enormous because you've written these books and heavily researched them but you must be quite close to being a, a bit of an expert on uh like as in like a scholarly expert on guy fawkes not just a literary one i, I think yeah i did i did do an awful lot of reading there's there's some fantastic books that that kind of led me down that path um one's called the real guy fawkes which so many other sources in that that was really helpful but but then i'm i'm spinning all of this kind of demonology into it so so i read um king james the first book demonology which kind of showed Mm. what somebody of that kind of level would think about demons somebody who had all of that power um so 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 it's kind of odd that you'd link all of these things that real history and then these ideas which were so out there yeah. And it, I think it's it's a really important point there because I, potentially not everyone would actually be aware of that. But at the time, the King of England and Scotland wrote a book on demonology whilst he was king. Like, what is that? It's mad. Yeah. So that's a, basically a conversation cool. yeah. between two gods as well, in the way that it's written. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Gotta wonder if you don't go in for that religious monarchy stuff anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, but of course, it famously uh, it's King James's Bible as well, isn't it? He yes. was he was fully into it. Um, it's just fan fiction. Look, looking <laughs> up some of the things he has said to have have said at the time, because you've also got a major part of it is the uh, um, anti-Catholicism, um, and some of the things mm. that, that he supposedly said. He, um, for example, he, he had suggested he would be fair and moderate. Um, First of all, and, and the Catholics had a lot of hope that, that he would be so. But then it, it's alleged that he said that uh, if his son grew up to be, if he if he thought his son would grow up to be a papist, he would smother him with a pillow. Oh, very <laughs> Christian. <laughs> <laughs> that does sort of echo um, a more kind of like recent, uh, like a homophobic trend of of masculinity, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, if, if if my son grows oh, yeah, up to yeah. be gay, I'll insert horrible thing here. Yeah. Um, I mean, my that, uh, my old man once told me if I got a tattoo, he'd take it off with a parmesan grater <laughs> when I was a child. And uh, now he's got fucking catch me trial, man. <laughs> <laughs> my wow. sleeve wants a word. If uh, if anyone needed an insight into why Nico is as funny as he is, it's because it's a defense mechanism against that shit. <laughs> oh, I just outed myself fully on the podcast. With a parmesan grater. Uh, yeah, that's the man. one. Oh. Are there any like Guy Fawkes fact that everyone is touting that now you're like, listen, bitch, that ain't how it works? Um, I've I've heard lots of di- people say different things about kind of how about his death um lots of people suggest that oh he 
he was burnt to death, which is ridiculous. That didn't happen. He was he was supposed to be um, hanged, drawn, and quartered. Um, but he fell off the scaffold, snapped his neck. So 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 he didn't. He was he was dead before before he was suffered the, the worst parts of that. Luckily, I guess. Oh, he fell off the scaffold, did he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, he had been he had been drawn, which is so much worse than I thought it could possibly. Behind a horse, face down, um, on a wooden oh. frame. Um, oh. Writing that scene was uh, rather gory. Um, and then, yeah, obviously you're going to be in a pretty horrific condition after that. He'd been tortured in the tower for months, um, so so he was he was barely able to move. Um, and they put them, they they hang them from quite a height. They they tell them it's as close to heaven as they're ever going to get. Um, and, uh, but but then, um, savage. I, I think the person who was supposed to be hanged before him had tried to jump from the scaffold um, in order to to kill themselves and die before they were tortured in a worse way. Um, but that they end up being cut down. But Guy Fawkes slipped and his neck snapped instantly, so he was, uh, I guess, Good Lord. saved saved a much worse death moments later. Having his genitals cut out, yeah, burned in front of him. So. Yeah, that's unpleasant. That bit. That, that's that's the bit that really people want to avoid where possible. Yeah. I think the the the, 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 main, the main one that I was aware of was that, and and please let me know if this is false because I've just been carrying this around my head. Was that he got racked whilst he was tortured, which meant that he could no longer stand because they'd actually like stretched him too far. Yes, I, I... and he was he had to be carried around like Mike TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. I, I I didn't read anything to confirm that was true. There was lots of stuff about kind of horrific things that he definitely was put in a very small cage um, so that he couldn't stand upright and he was kind of contorted into that. Pretty much um, every torture method that was available then that they did use. Um, the fact that he was able to sign any kind of name at all at the end of there was... Uh, Miraculous. Yeah, that's that's the one that people often often say, isn't it? Like because the, the the signature is so scrawled and yeah. horrid, he must have been completely messed up when he signed the confession. It's, it's like so, his fingers were broken entirely at that point. So, ugh. damn, it sounds like still better than mine. <laughs> so there's so there's obviously a lot of fact in there. If we did this as a percentile, right? Yeah. Could we get? that trilogy into the non-fiction section because there's more true stuff about Guy Fawkes in it than there is demon stuff. Because uh, I, w- I would fight tooth and nail for that fucking campaign. I, I, I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, um, it's like the, the, the things that I found out, which is so fascinating, that I kind of thought, well, how, how much further down, down this road can I get? Um, like, in the first book, he meets um, a character, Margaret Clitheroe, um, who was a real character in York, and, and her death is absolutely horrendous. So it had to feature in the book. Um, she was, it was press um, on Toll Bridge in oh, York. No. Yeah, just basically um, two, two, two big stones um, underneath your back. They take off your front door, they put it on top of you, and then they keep putting very large stones on top until you enter a plea of some sort. So it's yeah, it's if if you haven't confessed to something, if you've neither put in a guilty 
plea or an innocent plea, then they can do this to you. And um, that that character became really, really kind of important in the piece. And I was kind of tempted to take that further and, and kind of investigate her character. I did visit her. There's a shrine to her on um, the shambles in York. Um, yeah, fascinating story. Yeah. How is that? Yeah, cool. uh, basically... I, I was going to... Um, where her... Where her... Where her yeah, um, on, she was a butcher. Well, her husband was, but she, 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 she would have been involved in that. Um, and, and where that shop was, because she was um, made a saint, um, because of she, she was protecting Catholics. That's what she wouldn't um, confess to. Um, so, so now there is a shrine, and you can just kind of go mm. in and sit there and think, wow, this is one of those places where, where Nighthawks would have been in here. This... She lived in this above this place here, so that that mix of kind of history with all of the demon nonsense I had it in there is just fascinating. And do you have to take your own front door to that, or have they got them in the gift shop? <laughs> I think so. They just tore it off and brought it there. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, yeah. Make sure, make sure you're here at oh, 10, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Bring your front door. Um, bring some. Some, some rocks if you can. <laughs> oh, baby, you're not going to believe it. I've left the fucking door at home. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to get to be executed today. Oh, absolutely horrendous. Uh, so that was actually <laughs> a follow-up question, which was like, um, Sorry, during I that... Sorry, interrupt you. Please do. You know when you, if you forget to take your PE kit at school, yeah, and they'd be like, it's a dirty old pair of shorts that someone left there in the 80s. <laughs> Just imagine like a stack of other people's doors. Or like some like old... Squashing. Yeah. yeah, like old yeah. Roman doors or something. They just sort of <laughs> left behind. Sorry, please carry on. I was, so the question was, did you, um, during that year, how many places did you visit like how many sort of field trips did you do to go and stand oh, so, where um, stood? so york york was the, the main one when i was writing the first book i i, I couldn't do as many as i, I wanted i mean the, the third book when he went, when he goes into europe um I kind of invented the idea that he went to, to morocco as well because there was an anglo-moroccan alliance at the time that and that's where england got their uh, part of their gunpowder supplies um so so it'd been lovely to visit there but the only other place of interest i went to was um Brimham Rock, um, very strange rock formation um, in Yorkshire, um, because he lived very close there at one time. So I thought, well, I can take him to this interesting place and have have an episode there. So th yeah, that was um, and just kind of trying to get into the mindset of how somebody from um, this must have been fifteen fifteen nineties when he was there would have felt about these strange rock formations because they seem so so unnatural um so that that was kind of the only other kind of field trip that i was able to do unfortunately still very cool still very cool very so in, the, in terms of the process of writing it would you say there was anything that stood out that you learned from the process of writing a trilogy in such a short space learning of time? very good habits in terms of just getting the word count done some days so um the third book, I think I wrote ninety thousand words of that in in August, um, because as I teach, August mm -hmm. I'm not at school, and it was a case of right. I know that this is, I know that this is due, course, yeah. um, maybe end of October. That one, the first draft with the publisher. So it's a case of right. If I get all of this done, then 
then I can sort out that part. So just in terms of getting into really good practices, um, being able to just kind of hit that word count um, it, and just kind of planning ahead in advance in a sensible way. I think it really kind of got me into a, a professional mode of, of doing this and getting it getting it done when I needed to. Um, it's 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 both. It was nice to have those deadlines. I do kind of um, feel glad I don't have any at the moment and I can relax a bit. Mm. Yeah. So what? So what was the the rationale behind the the tight deadline? The the, the year um, to get them out. Partially from me and partially from the publisher. Um, quite a lot of series are independently published um, by small presses. Do try to keep the momentum going by kind of having um, five months, six months, seven months between them, just so they can uh, keep that kind of uh, readership kind of following on with the story. Um, I think. I think also there is with 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 any series this fear that it's not going to be finished sometimes there's, there's become a trend of people not buying a series not buying into it unless they know it they're going to be able to see it through so so i think that was kind of part of the rationale if it's, if it's kind oh, of I all see. out I there then, then we can kind of keep marketing after that point and uh hmm. and from, from my perspective um, did from, you, from my did you perspective find... it's also a case of yeah. right this this is an idea that's pretty out there I, I i don't really want it to take up the next five years of my life so we'll, we'll just go for it yeah yeah so you, you didn't uh balk at all when you you heard that yeah you know, no, yeah it was it yet. was one of those things i kind of looked carefully at the calendar um it kind of fell across so that i've had two summers um, across it, I, th I think, um, yeah, because it was it was five months between each each novel, and and then kind of yeah, five months leading into the first one, roughly. So so um, yeah, so I was writing the first one one summer, and the the final one summer after. So kind of other holidays, Easter's and Christmases, I was able to do kind of okay. bulk of writing then, and the editing passes. It would then be kind of with the publisher for a month. And it would come back to me and I'd have another month to look over all of their notes there and kind of anything else I wanted to change. So it was it was a really nice process with them. Um, I really trusted them to, to look over it and kind of push me in the right direction, pick up little things that that, 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 that weren't quite working. So, so, yeah, it just it just seemed to work really nicely in terms of that relationship. Just uh, before we move on from from Guy Fawkes, should we just uh, tell people where they can get hold of these um, books again? Where's the best? I place think the best to place to get book? it at the moment is from Amazon. Um, it is available on other um, platforms, but it's Amazon is the one that's most reliable at the moment in those terms. Um, so you've got the first book is okay. Oh, gone blank. Um, the, a clangor of bells. Second book is a dream of demons, and the third is. one a diabolical plot. Yes, I had to. You oh, had to the get spin off in there somewhere, didn't the, you? The spin-off, so the, the guy from Demon Hunter you. Annual. Spent... So this is where I was going to go next about your annuals, because I, I was also going to so, ask about um, the Nicholas Cage one. So please tell us about the guy from Winter. <laughs> so um, the third book was submitted to the publisher. Um, end of start of November, 
so so then I kind of had a, a month where I wasn't writing anything. I thought, hang on. That means I'll be doing this again in December. I know I'm going to put out an annual. This idea of how it's, it's a ridiculous idea, but I love doing it. It's kind of full of like puzzles. Um, there are some stories in there. There's like a, a choose your own adventure type Guy Fawkes story in there where there's several paths that lead through. Um, and, and yeah, it was just one of those kind of silly ideas. It's like, hang on, I want an annual. I want an annual for my series. So I just kind of independently. Um, I independently had released it, and uh, it's great fun. So, what's it like to be that prolific? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I just love it as a like the fact that I, I I remember annuals being a huge deal when I was a kid. Yeah, like Christmas, you'd get a couple of annuals. It was always Guinness World Book of Guinness World Records. Yeah, as well. But like, keep burning that torch, man! I absolutely love that. <laughs> Yeah, do more of it. it, was, do it for, just make them for everything. <laughs> I, I kind of want to. It's 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 addictive. I, yeah, I'm I'm not really very good at stopping. Even when I don't have I don't have deadlines, there's always something else I want to be working on. Oh, do you want to make a dead man's whiskey one? Yes. <laughs> or a tiny bookcase one. Yeah. Choose your own adventure, Nico from tiny from uh, both tiny bookcase and. Dead Man's Whiskey. If you want to go on tour, go to page 78. If you want to stay home and edit the podcast, go to page 92. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. They're, they're a lot of fun. I, I kind of I kind of want to write a book that looks like CFAX slash Teletext. Oh, hell yeah. It's just this this kind of... Yeah, I just think if it looked like that, and you could use the Choose Your Own Adventure thing, with that kind of blocky kind of look to it launch it as a as a website at the same time yeah so there's always do it man <laughs> oh, do you remember oh god we're, we're all gonna show our ages now did you guys used to like if you were going on a family holiday if you were going away anywhere you could like look at if there were traffic delays and stuff on cfax but it was so slow yeah to get through teletext and look at things it's like are, are there trains running duh, duh. yeah because there'd be something like 24 pages wouldn't there and they would cycle through one at a time if you looked away for like eight seconds you'd you'd miss it or something and yeah if you happen to live in zurich you were fucked (laughs) i i think i think you you might be showing your age i think nick actually because i i did not use this Uh at all (laughs) at all Uh, black black screen green text but time to be alive it, it might it might actually just be because I was raised under a bridge in Cumbria, so that <laughs> might that might be, that's potentially more likely. So Nicholas Cage, I need I need to ask you about this puzzle puzzle book. Oh, and my question my my question is, what the fuck? <laughs> I love it, but why? Um, I, I get obsessions. I get obsessional with stuff. Um, so <laughs> I, I I've watched um, oh, what's the film? Um, the the, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, and yeah. it's it's yes. a cracking piece of entertainment, and just kind of the way. It's and, very funny. And I I just started watching a lot of strange Nicolas Cage films, and then 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 I thought I had fun making my Guy Fawkes annual. Maybe <laughs> I could just make a puzzle book full of Nicolas Cage based puzzles, and my my copy arrived <laughs> um only yesterday, and I, it looks great. I'm so happy with how it's come out. It, yeah, it was. Again, that was about um, 
six weeks work actually on the puzzles a bit longer just kind of uh the framing and the artwork that, that went yeah. with that but yeah it's just please tell me that there's a puzzle where you have to help the bees find his face no but the back pages count the bees Hey, I'll take how it. many bees? Yeah, um, there is there is a Wicker Man puzzle where um he is in the middle of the Wicker Man and you have to try and find uh is 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 there a route out of the Wicker Man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you speak my language. <laughs> so, so uh, just so people can find this and buy it, this is the unofficial and unauthorized Nicolas Cage puzzle book. Over one hundred pages of puzzles. So they've got it's got Cage Doku. <laughs> uh, Cage word searches, cage anagrams, cage mazes. Oh, what a lovely thing to have done. I, I really enjoy it. I put that at the top of my CV, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I'd like to kind of play around with some more when, I, when I'm not doing writing projects, just to kind of put another one out there. So, yeah, just kind of different ideas and uh, a whole range of them. They're just... It's fun to do. So, what is what is next for you then? What's what's next so, for you um, going forwards in terms of your projects? In June, yeah, June twenty third, um, I have a story appearing in an anthology called Horny, which is stories of um, it, it's erotica meets demons. Um, huh. I, I'd not written erotica before. It's the same publisher um that I've been with um. The Guy Fawkes trilogy, Shadow Spark Publishing, um, and they put out anthologies every now and then. And they they, they said uh, about a year ago, um, the, how about we do a an ero- a, a, a demon erotica anthology? And I mean, it's totally out of my comfort zone. Um, so I, I, uh, over the last couple of months, I've been kind of writing and editing that. So the story I've written is it's about an incubus who is a busker. And the story is called Incubusker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that pleases me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to fit I... in with the rest of the stories in in the collection. But yeah, yeah. I, I end up reading quite a lot of story um, erotica to kind of get my head into that. Um, a collection by Ramsey. Oh my it's god! Research. Did you have to wank hide yourself into being part of an anthology? I. <laughs> I read, a, I read a collection. This is such a bad name. It's called Scared Stiff. By Ramsey Campbell. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. By Ramsey Campbell. Ramsey Campbell, such a lovely man. Oh. Um, but the fascinating thing about that collection <laughs> is um, the stories from. It's a collection of a lot of his erotic stories that go back to, to like the 1980s when a lot of this stuff was really taboo. So there's a great there's a great um, essay in the front of, of it by Clive Barker where he talks about kind of how taboo this stuff is, but it seems moderately uh, tame by kind of today's standards. But it was yeah, just it's kind of nice to put yourself out of your. They had sex, but he was a skeleton. <laughs> Yeah, take yourself out of your comfort zone yeah. with what you you're right sometimes. So I, I, it's one of those that I probably won't push hard on on various social media platforms because I certain people easy now <laughs> easy. We'll we'll push the fuck out of it. I'll have to deny that one. Yeah, we're gonna tweet it fifteen times a day. Just never let you forget it. Yeah. Just keep pushing it. Fantastic. Now that's really exciting that you've um, expanded yeah. your repertoire. In that mm. way, I think that's I think that's really brave, really really cool. All this talk of pushing hard oh. and expansion, good grief! <laughs> really engorged your uh, profile. <laughs> oh dear. 
Oh, your profile is veritably <laughs> throbbing. What can I say? I've got an, an inverse to a question we've okay. asked you before. And I think it's going to be fun. So, we've asked you previously if you could adapt any book into another medium, what would you pick? But if you were given carte blanche to, rather than an unlicensed Nicolas Cage product, but you can turn any movie property into a novel or book series of some kind, what would you want to turn into being oh, oh, that's it. Um, you know, I think it would be a lot of fun to do some kind of adventure kind of things, like uh, Indiana Jones kind of stuff. Um, take that and just kind of uh, okay. make up a whole bunch of new adventures and stuff where it is just kind of a, all of these places around the world, um, whips cracking and uh, losing hats. And yeah, I think that'd be a that'd be a hoot. Like, yeah. Would it just would you go straight um, novel? Puzzle book. No, not novel. Um. Yeah. Um. Maybe that's yeah. That's 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 an interesting question. Um. Oh, it'd be great to just adapt things in in into kind of yeah, like like you, you choose your own adventure kind of stuff because. Yeah. Weirdly, I have at home a, a Muppet Treasure Island Choose Your Own Adventure, um, which made my daughter that. cry once because she didn't complete the adventure. But just, yeah, there aren't enough of those. <laughs> Let, let's take that property and just. We're never making that a big one. There's so much to unpack there, my friend. What? <laughs> the So it was a. It was a choose your own adventure Muppet. Yeah, based adventure. upon the, the Muppet Treasure Island. And um within within two wow. choices you could end the story and just kind of not go on the adventure. No, I think you can <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going. So, so you, you can you, <laughs> I think it's quite meta. I I think um within this story you are reading a copy of Treasure Island. And one of the choices is just to stop reading the oh. book. <laughs> very meta. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. Was was Jim Henson involved in it? This at any I, point? I, I totally post death. death is that followed um, Treasure Island followed um, yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol and um. Yeah. Oh, did it? I, I wasn't sure about the the order of thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, huh. you could put more Muppets in it. Interesting. Though. Anything with more Muppets in. I so, I've been saying for years I'd love to do a Muppet yeah. of the Rings. I think it would be the best thing ever. What's the uh, the the uh, the guy in Hollywood that likes that likes Muppets and made the Muppets movies? And he's it's a like comedy actor. Jason Segel. Yeah, you, yeah, you could probably yeah. you could probably get him on board. Send him oh. a send him a DM. He's so tall. He'd make an excellent <laughs> Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> and the the joke would be that he was he insisted that he had to play Frodo. Frodo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can just stop reading the book at any point. So we don't often get to ask this one, but I feel like it would be really interesting insight, especially because this is your third time on the on the podcast. But if you were to look back at your younger self, so potentially when we were at university and you were taking creative writing modules and sort of getting some formal education on how to construct stories and stuff, what what advice would you give that person to try and shortcut to where you are? Get now? stuff 
out there sooner get get to know the community um further i think that there's a lot of things which are going on which are quite quite hard to find out about sometimes like the convention circuit and whatnot um i didn't realize quite how how big it was and how welcoming everyone there would be so so just kind of getting to meet people who because i've had so much kind of good advice and so, so met so many people who've been so friendly just saying well try this try this this small press um try this book um so just getting to know people through that way because it wasn't really until Ed branches was coming out that that i even knew about some of these things that were going on um it, i went to horicon um which is something that happens in sheffield which is much more um film based but there i met somebody who runs a small press and he said, well, um, there's this event going on in Derby um, in a couple of months. Go along to that. And, and and it just kind of opened my eyes up to how many people there are out there, how big the community is. And just getting involved in that sooner would have been brilliant. Yeah. That's, I think that's really interesting advice. This is something that um, I know we've spoken about off mic a little bit, but... Um... Obviously, Nico and I have not been to any conventions yet, but I think it it, it absolutely yeah, has to be in our near future. Um, largely because um, we we enjoy talking to authors so much and and sort of picking their brains on mic that it just seems silly when they're all gathering themselves in one place not to yeah not yeah, to so, so upon it's, it. it's it and and then kind of yeah um, the opportunity to to meet more people. Um, I mean, certainly plenty of your guests I've I've kind of met at, at, at different events. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever introduced yourself to one of our guests, being like, "Hey, um, we've we've both been on the bookcase." It's it's it's, have, it's have a conversation had, I had with um, yet, Kit or? Power. Um, yeah, yeah, Kit. Oh, Kit's great. Sweet. I was on. Um, I was actually Kit's on a panel life. with Kit at FancyCon. Um, so yeah. Um, so it was kind of nice to kind of talk about that that, that shared experience. Yeah. Very cool. Very glad to hear it. Well, it's been absolutely delightful having you on again. It's, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. So I can't believe the time has just kind of uh-huh. blown by. Oh, don't even get me started. I just it three years just disappeared from my life. I don't I don't know who yeah. I need to beat the fuck out to get them back. Yeah. But I intend to at some point. <laughs> Um, so, uh, should we get you back in a year when your next trilogy is done? That sounds about right, <laughs> Yeah, I'll get started now. <laughs> yeah, get cracking. Top notch. Right. Well, before we let you go, um, let's just tell people again where they can follow you, where they can buy your books, and should buy your books. So um, the website is benjaminlangley.co.uk. Uh-huh. That is updated with. Sometimes I use it as a blog and just kind of write about what I'm writing. There's always news on there about kind of uh, what I'm working on. Um, on Twitter, e underscore j underscore Langley. Um, Instagram as Benjamin Langley Writer, um, and the same at Facebook. So yeah, you can find me on all of those places. Um, sometimes busier than others on them. Sometimes more active than others on them. But that's where you'll find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, and we will see you shortly, I think. Right, yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Tiny Bookcase. Remember to subscribe, otherwise you're going to miss out on the future fun. Also, tell a friend. If you like this episode, link them to it. We'd be tremendously grateful.
you can follow us on Twitter at Bookcase Tiny, Facebook at The Tiny Bookcase, and Instagram at Bookcase Tiny for updates. Speaking of supporting the podcast, well, magic can only take one so far. The Tiny Bookcase is supported by the generosity of its patrons. Those kind souls have really kept my belly full the last year. Let's cast a spell for them, shall we? For a Magnificent Beardery, let's cast the Chinicus Folliculale spell on Gary Laird. For rich ginger tones on the scalp, let us cast the Orangi Hedondo spell for Scott Byrne. And for general fabulousness, why not the Ulala la Mother spell on Matthew McLaren? How do you come up with that shit, man?